Well, good morning again. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. Uh, we're so glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, we have been preaching through the gospel according to John, and if you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this conversation that takes place on the evening before Jesus' final days. And uh, Jesus is speaking to His disciples, preparing them to leave them. He is equipping them both with directions and guidance, but also, as we saw last week, with the Holy Spirit. These are, in some sense, Jesus' final words to His people. He's preparing the disciples to enter life as you and I live it every day, physically separated from Jesus. And last week at the end of the passage, He said, rise, let us go. And so we can kind of picture Jesus and the disciples leaving the upper room and the house that they were in, going out into the dim evening light, walking through the edges of the neighborhood and into the adjacent vineyard, walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they walk among the grapes, Jesus begins to summarize everything that He has just said, using the vines as a very handy analogy. Let's listen to the words of Jesus from John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as I pray for us. God, we come to your words this morning and we hear Jesus speaking to his disciples, but we ask that you would send your spirit to us so that we might hear Jesus speaking to us. Help us to recognize that here we have the words of life, that through these instructions and invitation that Jesus speaks, we can find true life, life abundant. 
pray that my words would fall to the floor and only your words remain. And I pray this in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We have a, an orange tree in our backyard. And if you've been around Grace for a while, you've heard me talk about how a couple years ago I kind of neglected it and it began to die. And I got really worried because we rent our house and then want the landlord to see a dead orange tree in the backyard. And so after a couple years of consistency and care, I can report that it is growing healthy and that there are lots of oranges on the tree. But something else is growing out of it as well. Out of the trunk on the left side are these three gnarly-looking branches, totally different from all of the orange branches. Their leaves are big and curly, and the thorns are like four inches long, ready to stab anyone's hand that might be mowing the yard. That's, that's me. I mow the yard. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Where were these branches coming from until I realized that the oranges we have are navel oranges? And navel oranges are naturally seedless, which means you can't plant the seeds. You have to grow a navel orange tree by grafting it into some other tree. So not only have I been caring for our navel orange tree, but I've been nurturing the rootstock of a toy or citrange, which grows these giant, pulpy, yellow, bitter fruits, useful for nothing. But because I've been feeding the roots... The trunk of the tree has life in it, and anything attached to that trunk is going to also produce life and fruit. This passage contains Jesus' final, I am saying, right? These are the, the seven things that Jesus says throughout the Gospel of John, where he uses the Greek phrase, ego eimi, I am. And then he follows it with something tangible, something physical that everybody could see that was there at the time of this saying in order to communicate his relationship to the world. But also, in using this Greek phrase, he's hearkening back to God's self-proclaimed name to Moses on Mount Sinai when he told Moses, I am who I am. So here, once again, Jesus is affirming, I am God, come to you. And then he adds the true vine. I am the true vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Jesus is here telling the disciples and all who read it that we should be drawing life from him, fruitfulness from him, because we are connected to the God of the universe become man. Now, the way Jesus explains that, though, is a little bit rambly, let's say. He kind of talks in circles. He uses the word abide no less than 10 times in 17 verses, but he doesn't always use it the same way. He talks about the disciples abiding in him, about himself abiding in the Father, about him abiding in the disciples, but also the words of Jesus abiding in the disciples. He even talks about their fruit, their obedience of life abiding I thought this was a summary of Jesus' words. Summaries should not be so confusing. But part of the reason is because abiding isn't just this one-dimensional thing. It's not just a do or a don't do. What we see Jesus describing is a vibrant, deeply rooted, powerful relationship and connection to God. He talks about abiding as somewhat of a dance. 
It has rhythm. There are steps and actions to it that can be taken. And it brings about this delight, this joy, ultimate joy. Abiding is like a dance. And so we're going to look at three aspects of that abiding dance. The first one being that abiding has a rhythm or is a rhythm. As I read through all of this stuff, the first question that came to my mind was, is Jesus just really talking about receiving and believing the love of God? Is He talking about resting in the work that He is about to accomplish on the cross? Is He telling the disciples, all you have to do is believe that you have right standing with God because of what I'm about to do for you? Yes, Jesus is talking about that. But then I start to read it a little closer, and I think, wait, no, Jesus is talking about obeying His commands, about following all of His words, specifically the call to serve others as He is going to serve the disciples, laying down your life for another, loving others as you have been loved. Yes, Jesus is talking about that too, because abiding seems to go round and round in this way. It feels somewhat cyclical and dizzying. But I would encourage you, instead of seeing it as a dizzying cycle, to think of it more as a rhythm. One of the commentators I read in a throwaway comment likened Jesus' circular words to breathing. Breathe in, believe God's love for you. Breathe out, follow God's call to love others. Breathe in and breathe out. And I thought, that's perfect That's exactly how to describe the idea of this abiding dance, because you can't have one without the other. In order to inhale new air, you have to exhale all the air in your lungs. And in order to exhale, you have to have inhaled first. Breathe in. Jesus' work on the cross secures God's love. Breathe out. God's call to love others. But we are so tempted to think that it's just one or the other, right? Following Jesus, it's just about believing the right things. If I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, if I just believe that God sees me as right, it doesn't really matter what I do, it doesn't really matter how I live, because I believe that Jesus has taken care of all of it. Well, let's do a little bit experiment this morning. I want you to do this with me. I want you to take in a deep breath and hold it. Don't let it out. Hold it. Now take in another breath. One more. Don't let it out. Okay. Yeah. It's hard. At a certain point, you can't inhale anymore. In order to inhale more, you have to exhale. You can't just believe because belief for the sake of believing isn't right. Belief in God has a purpose. It has a goal. The result of belief is action. It is change in your life, just like the result of inhaling is exhaling. (sighs) Following Jesus isn't just about believing. It is about believing, but it's also about action. We could flip this on the other, uh, other side too, right? We tend to think, you know what? I'm not really sure exactly what I believe, but I'm doing all the right things. I'm not doing any of the wrong things. My life looks good. Everything is okay but that's just exhaling. If you don't believe that God loves you because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, then what you are thinking is, I have to earn it. 
I have to be good enough. I have to perform. And do you know what happens then? That constant exhale, exhale, exhale of performance eventually suffocates you. See, this invitation to abide in Jesus is an invitation into a rhythm of life. Jesus' work for me secures God's love for me. Jesus' work in me drives me to love others. Over and over, day after day, multiple times a day. But, unlike breathing, it's not just this passive thing that happens without thinking about it. Jesus says that abiding actually has activity. This dance, there are some steps to take. Abiding is active. Right? 90 to 95% of the time, you don't even notice that you're breathing. It just kind of happens. Your body knows to instinctively do it. And it is easy for us to think that following Jesus is the same way. If I just surround myself with the right people, good people, you know, I follow my parents' advice about the company I keep. If I go to church on Sunday, if I go to community group on Wednesday or whenever my community group meets, if I just surround myself with the right stuff, then I'll become more like Jesus through like routine, right? Everything seems to be in place. It's like osmosis. I'll be more Jesus-like eventually. But Jesus is inviting the disciples into an active rhythm of life, just like a dance. You can be out on the dance floor dancing without actually moving at all. But you're not really dancing until you begin to move to the rhythm, right? That's what dancing is all about. When Nicole and I uh, got married, sorry, wrong place, in the wrong place, uh, you're not really dancing until you begin to move to the rhythm, right? We love to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. And I remember this video from years ago where a little girl was in her room clenching her fists, gritting her teeth, and groaning. And her mom walks in with a camera and asks, honey, what are you doing? And she stops and goes, I'm trying to grow up. And we thought it was hilarious and super cute. And for the longest time, Margaret would eventually just pop off and say it every once in a while because she knew how funny it was and how cute it was. And it's partly funny because we all know that's not how growing up works. It's a slow process of changing over time. But there are some things you can do to engage this growing up process, right? You have to eat good food, food that is healthy for you. You have to sleep well, right? Sleep is essential for growth. And of course, growing up isn't just a physical thing. You have to go to school and learn and engage your mind and help your mind grow. You have to learn how to interact with other people. You have to learn how to respond to failure and disappointment and success. Yes, growth is this process that happens, but there are also these steps that you can take to participate in it. And the same is true for this dance of abiding in Jesus. This is one of four places in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, if you do this thing, you will receive this reciprocal abiding. We will be abiding in Jesus, and He will be abiding in us. Four times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says this. And so these are the four steps of this dance that He invites us into. The first being, in John 1 and John 4, Jesus says, if you respond to the Word of God through prayer, you'll be abiding in Him. 
and He will be abiding in you. Responding to God's Word in prayer. Then in John 6, 56, Jesus says, when you eat the bread and you drink the wine of the Lord's Supper, you are abiding in Him and He is abiding in you. Prayer, communion, and then John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, if you abide in my words, I will abide in you. That means reading, studying, meditating on, memorizing the words of Jesus. This is another step in the abiding dance. And then here, the last time Jesus talks about this, the way that we abide in Him is by keeping His command to love one another as we have been loved. The four steps of the abiding dance, prayer, communion, reading, meditating, staying in Jesus's words, and then loving others as we have been loved. These are the steps of the abiding dance. But just like real dancing, you don't go from learning how to walk to being a professional ballroom dancer in the same day. It takes time. It takes practice. And you have to learn from someone who knows the dance really, really well. That is the Holy Spirit. We saw this last week, that the Holy Spirit who dwells in the hearts of those who believe in Jesus, is like our guide, our dance teacher, if you will. He knows the dance. He knows the steps. He knows how to move, how to teach us to breathe, helping us along the way. And guess what? He doesn't get mad when you accidentally step on each other's toes. He doesn't get mad when you trip over your own feet. The Holy Spirit teaches us this dance of abiding, how do we learn to breathe in the love of God and breathe out loving others through abiding? And the reason that He invites us to do this, Jesus says, is to have life abundant. Abiding leads to life abundant. Verse 11, Jesus says this very clearly, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Dancing is all about joy. Weddings where the whole party is dancing out on the dance floor, that is so much fun. That is a fact. There's no arguing with that. Having so many people crammed on a dance floor is a lot of fun. This is where my Nicole and the getting married illustration comes in. Nicole went to Auburn University, which is uh, in Alabama, and at our wedding 15 years ago, when Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama came on, the DJ played it, all her gaggle of friends from Auburn got to the dance floor and sang incredibly loud, and it was such a good time. You can look at our wedding pictures to this day and tell which photos were taken during that song, because everyone's face is illuminated by sheer and uninhibited joy. Dancing is all about joy. Jesus says, when you abide in me and I abide in you, I will grow joy in you. And the other way that the gospel writer John talks about this joy is life abundant. Life, true life, welling up to overflowing. That's why Jesus invites us into this dance. That's why we should be breathing in God's love for us and breathing out love and obedience, love for others. 
Now, here's the thing. This is very important. There is a difference between life abundant and a comfortable, easy, happy life. Jesus does not promise that if you do this, you engage in this dance, you breathe in and breathe out in this rhythm, you will be, have a life free from hardship or struggle or confusion. In fact, Jesus says something quite different. Did you catch this in verse 2? Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, God the Father, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I think we get the analogy of a branch that doesn't bear fruit being taken away. But what Jesus says about the branch that does bear fruit, meaning the person who is following him, who is abiding in in Him, who is breathing in the Father's love and breathing out fruitful obedience and other-centered love, Jesus says, God, the vine dresser, will prune? That doesn't feel good. Pruning is not fun. Pruning requires pain and loss. But we know that it is what leads to health. It's what leads to growth new life. It requires pruning. What Jesus is saying here is that engaging in this dance, breathing in and breathing out as He invites us to, it causes our external circumstances, the things happening to us, the things we do, the things that are going on outside in the world, they become secondary to the inward reality of life abundant breathing in the Father's love for us and breathing out others-centered love becomes the way that we view the rest of the world, that we view all of the things happening around us. Now, I never thought that I'd end a sermon with a Jimmy Buffett song, but after watching the videos and the pictures of the devastation from Hurricane Ian, about after texting with my family who lived down there, it reminded me of the things I saw after Hurricane Katrina. You know, I grew up in Florida, and so I've lived through many hurricanes, but nothing like what we've seen the past week. The ravaging of the landscape and homes and businesses. It reminds me of what I saw when I went to help in Mississippi and Louisiana after Katrina went through in 2005. And Jimmy Buffett wrote a song about Hurricane Katrina to raise funds for Katrina relief, and it was written to the victims of Hurricane Katrina. He wrote it in 2006, almost a year after Katrina hit in 2005. And it's his melodic way of dealing with the circumstances, the aftermath, a year after this hurricane had gone through. And the refrain is all about his perspective on the storm itself, and then each of the verses talks about dealing with it. The refrain says this, and it rained it was nothing really new. And it blew. We've seen all that before. And it poured. The earth began to strain. Pontchartrain, which is the big inlet that's there on the north side of New Orleans, leaking through the door, tides at war. And then each verse has a different way of talking about living with the reality of this terrible experience a year later. One of them says this, If a hurricane doesn't leave you dead, it will make you strong. Don't try to explain it. 
just nod your head, breathe in, breathe out, and move on. That happens over and over again. Breathe in, breathe out, move on. It's his musical advice on how to get over the past and in some way to detach yourself from the pain and the wounding and the scarring that you've experienced over the last year. Just get on with your life. This rhythmic dance of abiding in Jesus is not about disengaging. It's not about detaching from the world around you. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The only way to be able to engage with the world, with the pain that is happening, with the circumstances of life, is to breathe in God's love for you, secured through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Breathe out sacrificial love for others. That is how we begin to actually, truly engage with the world as God sees it. And it's the only way that we move through life toward the new heavens and the new earth where everything will be as God made it. Breathe in, breathe out, abide in Jesus. Let's pray. Well, God, we come this morning thankful that because of the perfect obedience of your Son, Jesus, because of his sacrificial death on the cross and his victorious resurrection from the grave, we are called your children, that we can rest in that work. We can go out to love others and serve others because of how we've been loved and served. I pray that you would help us see that this is a rhythm of life, that this is a pattern that you invite us into, but you don't demand it from us. You train us in it. You teach us. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to help us know how to love and to serve as we have been loved and served. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.